This show is brought to you by Amazon.com. If you want to help support this podcast and all the future science that's going to come with it, uh, go to the link on this episode's page or on the homepage and just click it, cost you nothing, and Amazon kicks me back a little bit of it so we can start working on some future science projects. Uh, it's got a lot of stuff coming up here, guys. Uh, the 3D printing is almost underway. We're going to start doing... The videos are going to start flying out of here, I guarantee you. Um, and all that stuff is thanks to anyone helping us support by using the Amazon link. So thank you, and here we go. Welcome to Today in Space. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Today in Space. How you guys doing? How was your long weekend? Uh, mine was pretty good. Went to the good old PA, good old Pennsylvania. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun, man. This weekend was a great weekend. You, know, you don't have that many of them, but when you have just one of those weekends where you're just like, yes, I did everything I wanted to do. I may be exhausted, I, uh, you know, uh, but I, I did everything, and I'm, I'm happy. And however this week turns out, whatever, I had a great weekend. That's what it was like. It was awesome. Uh, I'm not going to tell everything, but <laughs> I'm trying to keep it specific to this, which is talking about space. Uh, so let's, let's, uh, let's go into a few things. First of all... Uh, I saw another one of Matt Damon's movies, uh, another space movie with Matt Damon, because, like, the more you get into it, you're just like, oh, my God, this guy's done everything. Like, it's funny. So I saw Elysium. That's the point I'm trying to make here. I saw Elysium the other day. Um, I, You know, I, it's been out long enough, so I, I guess spoiler alert, but whatever. Um, <laughs> good luck. Uh it was pretty good. I really, I loved the way they filmed it. I thought the fight scenes with the, uh, the exo suit was awesome. I thought they filmed that. It was just like a video game. Uh, it was it was really cool. Uh, things exploded. People's faces blew up. P- people blew up. I mean, it was it was grimy. It was nasty. Uh, there was the political, you know, coup that was going on. There was, you know, the crazy guy that the evil politician calls up to go kill everybody, you're like, okay, I can get down with this, you know, everyone's trying to get off the planet on these, these crazy rockets, and it's kind of like, it's almost, it's almost post-apocalyptic, but it's not really, because you don't really know what the theme is at first, and then the more and more it happens, you're like, oh, okay, the people on Elysium are white people, the people on the ground are not white people, and the people on the ground are super poor, and the people on the, on the craft floating around in space are, are rich. You're just like, okay, all right. I guess we're going here with this. All right, we'll see where this is. And I loved everything about the movie except for the ending. They swing way too hard on that theme. 
They swing for the fences. Swung? Swing? Swung. They swung for the fences and made it about an issue that's happening today. And it's just, I mean, no, it's the immigration thing. And that's really what they were pushing was, you know, you know, everyone should be allowed the same things. I mean, they had this freaking table that could, that could fix anything. You sat on this table, it fixed acute leukemia or it, some dude's face got blown off and it fixed his face. But <laughs> it was only available to the rich white people floating the earth. So I, I don't, I just, by the end of the movie, I was just like, oh man, why? Why did it have to go so far? Um, I thought it, it, it could have been fine without pushing that, that limit of the immigration thing too far, man. I, it was a great movie otherwise. Um, cause my big thing was like, all right, if you guys are gonna, like, you can't fit the whole planet on a, on a floating system, uh, a floating, uh, station, you're not gonna fit the whole planet up there, so what do you, it just, it seemed like the, the win at the end was that everyone was a citizen of this Elysium place that's floating around the planet, when it's like, couldn't you just bring all that stuff down to the planet? And not only that, not only that, most importantly, they had what seemed to be like uh, fusion power. They had enough to just launch these these spacecraft off the ground. They didn't need to launch it straight up like a regular rocket like we have. Apparently fuel was not an issue, so why are they so poor? It just, it was just like, uh, there were so many little things when you take a stand that hard in a movie that scientific, well, that uses that much science, I just, I couldn't get into it at the end. I, but I was in it the whole movie, and then it kind of ruined it for me at the end. That's my opinion. Um, I would still recommend seeing it. I wouldn't say don't see it, but um, I may skip the ending. Uh, <laughs> but that's me. That's me. Uh, man, other than that, like I said, great weekend. I went... I went to Philly for the first time. Uh, that was pretty cool. I had my first Philly cheesesteak. It was amazing. And I know the first question I got back here was, was it a real Philly cheesesteak? My answer is yes. So don't ask. <laughs> no, I had uh, one of my friends who was in Philly uh, show me around. Uh, we got some good food. Man, it was it was a great time. What else? Um and the only other thing was just the, the interesting thing when you go to a different place, like we're in, we're in the United States and, and the typical thing about being a, a New Englander is you don't get to visit many places, right? You kind of stay in your own little bubble. And so when you go someplace new, it's kind of like, oh my God, now I'm not a typical New Englander, I travel, but still, I'm still on the East Coast, I go to Pennsylvania, and it's, it's amazing how many different parts of Pennsylvania there are how many different kinds of people live in that state. It's huge. It's humongous. And I think it's... I'm tying this into space here, people. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> but it's just really cool when you think about, like, just how big everything is. Like, it took us nine hours to get back from driving. Because we hit New York and freaking Tappan Zee Bridge. I don't know why we went, but... So there's an error on my part. But uh, it's amazing... We think we're so, like, close and together, but 
we have no idea what's happening on a daily basis. Like, like your neighbors, how many people don't even talk to their neighbors anymore? And they just kind of like wave and they have, they know nothing about them. <laughs> but meanwhile, there's people across the country that are really nice and pretty cool and you, you're never going to meet them. You're never going to meet them. Uh, the best chance you have is if you go traveling where you live in a big city where people come to. Um, and I could see that as being something weird down the road. You know, when we, we actually start doing space travel, like if, if that's such a big divide just on a, or just a big diversity, I guess the best way to say it, if it's so diverse from just people living on this planet in the same country from one state to another, uh, like, man, people on a different planet, it's going to be a totally different thing. Like, we think going from <laughs> from New York to to London, right? You think that's a big difference? Like, you know, you you there are some some cultures on this planet like you got to know what to do or you're going to seriously offend somebody. Whew. When you're on another planet and a whole different basically species. I mean, they they're they're developing and habitating. Is that even a word? Uh, like everything about their daily lives and and how they interact with people on their own planet is going to entirely depend on their environment and the people that that came and how they're changed by that. So it's it's really strange. Like for instance, um, I, I we actually drove through uh, a part of Pennsylvania where there are both uh, Mennonites and Amish. I didn't know the difference, so I was actually I actually got to find out. Um, it's very interesting, you know, they both have their own lifestyle, the way they want to live, which, to be honest, is, is pretty efficient as far as what they're using. It's almost a, a American Indian, Native American type of uh, idea where, you know, you use the what you have around you, the land efficiently, you, you know, don't have excessive waste, you know. And it's something, it's definitely admirable. You know, I, I could definitely see, I can see that as being really valuable. Um, and it's really funny because <laughs> uh, there are some people here in Massachusetts who you you would think by the things that they stand for and or that they, they say they stand for and they believe in, that they're very open to many cultures. And, oh, I'm very cultured. Oh, I, I know this about them and this about that. But they would probably look down on the Amish or even Mennonites because because it's not like them or or they're not they're no longer the flavor of the week to care about. Um, so it was cool just to see people living in their own thing. Like for instance, having to drive around horse and buggies. Not doing that around here, That's, unless you're in the city and you're not driving a car. <laughs> if you're seeing them in the city, um, it's uh, it's very cool. It was really cool. Of course, uh, um, a lot of horse poop, a lot of that going on, uh, but that's just uh, how it is. Spent some time at a farm. That was a good time. Uh, got to actually enjoy an entire night of country because everyone was into it. You know, up here, there's a lot of hip-hop. There's a lot of electronic music. Whenever country comes on, people are like, oh, you know, shut it off. You know, boo. You know it's, it's why I never get to enjoy it. I had a great time with country in Pennsylvania. I had a fun, fun time. Uh, <laughs> it was pretty cool. 
Um, and then I also had a, a call into a radio show that I've done. We, I call up uh, John Doherty on the edge. It's on the Gag Order Network. Uh, it's on Friday nights. And uh, I got called in, met John, and uh, started going on his show for, he starts doing, he's been doing a Mars One segment. So um, he, he started following it because it was really cool. And <laughs> now it's, it's become a bit comical. So I, I just love coming on because I get to give a little bit of science, but it's also just a fun time. So got to do that. That was a lot of fun, man. I want more weekends like this. <laughs> got a lot of work done. Just had fun. Uh, and if I could do that every weekend, man, I think I'm killing it. But <laughs> uh, before we go any further, I've got some stuff I found that I thought was pretty interesting because I was so busy this weekend, didn't really have much to do this week. So uh, I did find one thing I liked, and I wanted to kind of go off of it. There's a lot of stuff from NASA that that kind of trickles down in our lives. We don't really know like where it came from or that it even came from something NASA did. Um, and the reason I bring it up is because even even today, like I still get people who say, you know, is NASA does NASA still exist? You know, are they even doing anything? Although I think with the Mars water finding and just the Martian and, and, and the way science and space science is moving now. I think that's changing, but this is a few things here. I, I, it's not the whole thing. It's from a top 10 on uh, NASA's Flickr account. So I'm just going to go through it real quick and uh, just learn what NASA's actually given us uh, in our everyday lives. Okay, so the first NASA spinoff, as they called it, is uh, the enriched baby food. Today, 99% of infant formula on the market is infused with this natural source of an omega-3 fatty acid. And that helps babies develop healthier brains, eyes, and even hearts. Number two, those airplane winglets. All right? So you know the, the new winglets that are on the airplanes where the wingtip is bent up like nine degrees upwards? Uh, they were found through some aerodynamic research that they did at NASA, and it has saved billions. What? billions of dollars in fuel costs by reducing the vortex around the wings, which reduces the airplane's drag, making it more aerodynamic. So a simple little bend of the wing saved them, one more time, billions of dollars so that we can fly these things cheaper and hopefully get the uh, ticket prices down, although... They've been pretty ridiculous lately, so I don't know about that. But they're still saving billions of dollars because of that. Next is Precision GPS. Thanks to the software developers at NASA, you can get locations by GPS within centimeters instead of the 15 meters or 50 feet that it would have been without it. Because that would suck. I mean, it's bad enough when the GPS goes out a little bit and you're freaking out because you're so dependent on the GPS. But to be off by 50 feet, that would suck. So thank you, computer nerds. Now I can find my way back home. All right, number four, we got memory foam. That's right. The same material we all use to have better sleep and comfort was developed 
and invented by NASA's researchers. They were making it to help test pilots and astronauts feel comfortable when they were dealing with the crazy acceleration and thus high G-forces that they were doing when they were, they were flying. But luckily for some of us, uh, we just get to reap the benefits with a, uh, a nice sleep at night. Number five is international search and rescue systems that are now uh, uh, available <laughs> thanks to some of the NASA tech. You know, if you're a pilot, a sailor, or someone who just loves adventure with the obvious chance of getting stranded somewhere, you can actually be found thanks to the personal locator beacon that can use the satellites above to get help with precise locations. Now, you still need this beacon, and I don't know how much they cost, but if you have one, you can actually be found, which is amazing. And last, but certainly not least, especially uh, with us nerd folk, the invisible braces. Yes, that is a NASA tech advancement. That's right. All of us nerds who had to wear braces because our teeth were awful or just because, you know, you need a little alignment. You know, if you've had the metal braces or God help you if you had any of the old headgear from way back in the day. I'm sorry. But, yes, uh, there was a joint partnership with another company that worked with NASA. And their project ended up creating a translucent ceramic, invisible, for anyone who doesn't know the word. And it was the first invisible dental brace ever, thanks to the very own nerds there at NASA. So just helping everybody out, helping, helping your own people out, you know? I think, I think you know, the kids, they, they don't even know what you've done for them. They don't even know... The, the heartache you've saved them by having invisible braces. They just know that it is what it is now. So a little thankless, but thank you again, NASA, for, for helping nerds and everybody else out there. All right, so coming up next is my phone call into the On the Edge show with John Doherty. It's on Friday nights on the Gag Order Network. And uh, met these guys... Uh, just through, I guess, being in the business? I don't know. They heard my show and called me in, and we've been talking ever since. So uh, John had me in to talk about Mars One, because he does a segment um, every time something juicy comes up about Mars One, because uh, there is some, it's definitely a little sketchy, uh, and that's what we kind of explore every time I go on with John on uh, his Mars One segment. So I had a lot of fun. Um, we keep doing shows like this. I, I'm keep coming on, man. It was it was a blast, uh, and I'm gonna have John on uh, in the future here, just thinking of a topic that we can wrap our uh, wrap our minds around with, and uh, he's gonna be on. So enjoy uh, both John, Dimitri, and I on a talk about Mars One, and then a whole bunch of other things. Great conversation. Can't say anything more. Here we go. Dimitri, my uh, my headphones are a little off. Oh yeah, why is that? My headphones are a little off. Why is my headphones off? I don't know why. I don't know. All right, welcome back to On the Edge. It is 8:07 p.m. We have a special guest on the phone before uh, Alex Orfano, Space Lord Mother Mother, as I'm now calling him. <laughs> uh, he is the host of Today in Space, an amazing podcast, a lot smarter than me, Wicked Schmat. Here's a little clip. 
This is Alex G. Orfanos, the host of the Today in Space podcast, where we tackle a ton of topics on pretty much everything that could ever happen in space. You get your very own aerospace engineer to talk about all this crazy stuff. Today in Space. Whether it's just me or we've got some friends on the show, we talk about everything. Space movies, SpaceX, Mars, 3D printing, the ISS, string theory, fear, genetics, Pluto, life on Mars, moon business, space lawyers, self-worth, space business, the Van Allen belt. It's a lot of stuff to talk about. So come check us out at the Today in Space podcast at todayinspace.net. Welcome to Today in Space. I really don't see it, like virtually any successful conceptions in space ever. Hmm. So you're what you're saying yeah, here is that space is the ultimate uh, birth control. <laughs> <laughs> it's not meant for humans. Maybe we can visit there, right? Want to go We're take not a ride on my rocket? <laughs> don't worry, it's safe. Don't worry. It's safe. That is Alex Orfano's host of Today in Space. I have him on the phone right now. Alex, thank you so much for calling in, man. Thanks for having me, John. How's it going? Excellent, man. You know what? I'll be honest. I didn't have a chance to listen to the clip earlier, so this is the first time I'm hearing it. What are space lawyers? It's a real thing, man. There are actually lawyers working on legitimate laws so that when we go into space, they know how to get our money. And, uh, you know, space divorce, you know, all that stuff. It'll be real. Get out of here. What? I'm serious. Really, the only we only have one law. And it's from some U.N. treaty that basically tells us that we, you know, no one can uh, claim land in space. And that, you know, if someone does go, it's the, it's the country that launched that rocket that owns it. Seriously, it, it's all out there. And they're really out there trying to make law for it. So I know there's isn't there aren't there rules about like owning the moon? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. You can't yeah, actually you can't technically own the moon. Yeah, you but can't. Let's say I think uh, the new movie that just came out actually uh, talked about it a little bit. The Martian. Uh, no spoiler alert, but <laughs> the maritime law basically, if you're inside a U.S. you know Vessel. Um, space cabin, we'll just call it. Space then cabin. Then while you're in the cabin, you're under U.S. law. But as soon as you go out, you're in international waters. This is so how that's my, the only law that we have right now. This is how my brain works. When I th- when I hear space cabin, I think about somebody going outside and cutting down space trees to build the space cabin. That's how my brain works. Yeah, no, I, you know, space, space is a we're gonna cool, have some weird space trees. We're gonna have weird we're gonna space need some trees. New ways to cut them down. And then we're gonna have we're gonna need lawyers to figure out. We're gonna need space lawyers. Tell me, they're gonna have jetpacks, space jetpacks. I hope so. I mean, we've we've been boned on the space pack thing for uh, rocket pack for so long. I mean, if we can just get a jet pack in space, thank God, right? Well, well hey, speaking of the jet pack, this is a segue. Uh, the grand one of the women that's a finalist for the Mars One project, her grandfather was one of the inventors of the original jet pack, the original working jet pack. But she's done nothing. She's done nothing. Well, that was my question. How does that qualify her to go into space? It oh no, that's yeah no. <laughs> this is. <laughs> Yeah, no, like when we when I first started doing these stories, I was I it was like a, it was a comedy segment. <clears throat> Originally, I did Mars One Project as a serious segment way like eight months ago when I first did my first story on Mars One. It was a serious topic that I was covering for the show. I thought it was an, I thought it was going to be an amazing story to cover. And then I actually started doing research into it and it just got more and more ridiculous. 
to the point where when we did like the the 100 finalists, we started playing their videos and reading their essays and stuff. It turned into a comedy segment. Mm. We had that woman. We had the woman who can handle horrible roommates. <laughs> the woman who like started her video off with the Boba Fett helmet. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. let's get let's send her into space. I want less of that here. She knows about Star Wars. She knows what's up. Yeah, she, and yeah, she started off her video wearing she wear, she was wearing like a Boba Fett helmet, and the Boba Fett helmet had like a voice modulator. That wow. was that was one of the finalists. That's her experience for the Mars wow. One project. Uh, you, you know, it's there, there's definitely a certain type of person that wants to go live on Mars. You know, uh, and I think we're just seeing the reality of it. <laughs> We'd like to think, you know, the really brave people, like the people who came to America, you know, they're they're you know they want to do their own thing and live their own way, but really they were just crazy people, crazy enough to go. Yeah, I was saying this before. Like when I think about going to space and going to Mars or the moon or whatever, I think NASA. I think guys in white shirts with pocket protectors and glasses, professionals, guys that went to MIT and Harvard. And then I read on the, <laughs> I read up on Mars One, and it's definitely not that. Yeah, I, I mean you know it is. I, I will preface because I have to that you know it is. It's not a space company. And, I mean, you know this. You've, you've looked into it. Oh, you yeah. know, it's, it's literally people who are trying to get to Mars by throwing a lot of money at it, which they, they might be able to. It's not impossible, but it's probably not going to happen. Somebody actually did the math. I don't have the story in front of me, but they, they said something. It's going to cost, like, realistically, right around, like, $1.3 billion, $1.5 billion for this project to actually go off. Which isn't that much, actually. Sad to say, in, in, as far as space economics goes, that's not that bad. So Alex is covering the one billion. We just have point five to go, and uh, we're <laughs> we're at Mars, dude. I got a few quarters in my pocket. Dimitri, what you got on you? I got like seventy-five cents. I've got eighteen dollars. I've got a quarter. <laughs> Alex has got a quarter. That's eighteen twenty-five. What you got? I think I got seventy-five cents. That's like uh, a tenth of a second of fuel. Right Sweet. there. If we do that a week. If we do that every week, we'll we'll get there in a few years. We will at least get into <laughs> outer space, where we can die, <laughs> because we didn't have, we don't have money for supplies, or or the opposite. We leave it to Dimitri to stock up, and it's just like, you know, thirty years worth of Twinkies, and radishes, and radishes, <laughs> and radishes. Well, you know, because he's a filthy we'll Russian, and one potato <laughs> for me. Is that my p- the potato for me? No, we have to cut up in three parts. <laughs> oh, we're sharing the yeah. potato? You are the worst planner. You're we're out. Sharing <laughs> we're sharing them. We're sharing the one potato. It's a large potato, though. It's a large potato. Oh, it's one of them, like, Idaho gold, <laughs> baby. All right, never mind, Dimitri. You're back in. <laughs> Dimitri's back in on the project. He's all right. We're fine. We're good. So, uh, yeah, actually, uh, Alex was at the studio a few weeks ago. This is where uh, we started talking about having him back on the show. Um, unfortunately, he's not in town at the moment. Originally, I was going to have him in the studio, but he is in Pennsylvania doing wonderful things. I hear he's also a Lutheran minister. <laughs> he's officiating a wedding right now. And then afterwards, he's also turn- he takes the collar off, turns into DJ Greco. <laughs> See, I'm telling you, we need to record like our off-air conversations, dude. It's gold. It's gold, and we need him. It's gold, and we need him. Uh, but when you were here, Alex, a few weeks ago, you had given me the heads up on something that kind of flew under my radar. Uh, the Mars One Project's involvement with a fashion show. Yes. Yes. And I was under the impression it was just a fashion show. And so I was, I, you know, at first I was little, you know, I was still gung-ho for the whole Mars One Project and that they could do it. But then when I saw a fashion show and it didn't mention anything about being space-themed, 
I was moving a l- way towards your side of this. Oh, yeah. So when you told me about um, I, I was stunned, first off, because I know this project is, is turning into a joke real quick, but I didn't know like how far they had fallen since I had last uh, looked up on them. So when you told me about it, I was under the impression that the Mars One Project put on a fashion show, and that would have been amazing. The, uh, but what is actually happening is uh, Bjorn Borg, the sports line, it's the Bjorn athletic word. Yeah, Bjorn Borg. Just the name sounds funny. I dare you to spell it. B. I'm not going to even try. Q. <laughs> I went to school for math. Yeah, C- right. For English. <laughs> Oddly enough, there are some math letters in there somewhere. <laughs> the omega sign. Yeah, the omega <laughs> sign is in there as well. Uh, it's a lot better. It's a lot easier to read than Russian, though, so I will give it that, which oh. has I think has numbers in it. Um, yeah, the Bjorn Borg fashion line did a Mars One inspired uh, athletic brand, uh, athletic line, and I'm guessing Mars One is getting a cut of it. They have to be, right? I, I would hope so. They've got to be. Yeah, they've <laughs> got to really be, hope so. They've got to be. Unless it was, you know, in their marketing funding, you know, and they're like, oh, sure, yeah, we'll just add that on that line. I, I looked at pictures of the sports line. It's nothing big. I honestly, you could take Mars One off it and put anything on there, and it would work. Like mm-hmm. NFL inspired athletic line. Uh, Bjorn Borg is actually a, a retired tennis player. That's that's pretty much where they get the line from. But you could replace Mars One with anything, and it would work. This wasn't it was it was a big letdown to be honest. I was like, hoping for like futuristic athletic gear, like Running Man stuff. That's what I wanted, but it's not. So I not to, I didn't want to like let you down, but yeah, it's not like a bunch of people, a bunch of women walking the catwalk with like Saturn's rings around them. Aww. Yeah, with something David Bowie wore in some music video back in the day. Yeah, like a Ziggy Stardust yeah. implosion. Right, right. Well, you know, it's it's tough, though. You know, I mean, we we want them to go that far, but do they we? did that in the eighties. Do it, we? It didn't really do that well. Did we want? So I'm I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of on the middle here. Now I've said this from the beginning. One of three things is going to happen. This project, they're going to make it, and we're going to be talking about this for the rest of our lives, and everyone else is mm-hmm. going to be talking Huge about human it. Human achievement. Yep. Till the end of humanity, we're going to be talking about this time in our lives. Two, they're going to like get off the ground and it's going to be a horrific disaster or three it's just not going to happen one of yeah, those I, three things i think you're right on with that i mean the, that's that's how i see it happening i mean you know i'm optimistic um i really do think i mean look we're I, I'm, I'm i'm on a segment here on your show talking about it i mean for me that's a win so i'm just glad we're talking about it so for me really it's it's all a win but yeah, getting there. The good thing is they're going to blow up some robots before they blow up any human beings. Hey, this so, is, this uh, trying to see a silver lining in, in this whole thing is that it seems to have kicked every other space agency in the butt to get mm-hmm. to Mars. Um, when I first started doing stories on this project, I think it was like back in October or something like that, November. So you're saying it's reinitiating the space race? In a in a way, like I said, when I first started doing this, it was the Mars One project. There was inklings of other agencies that wanted to go. There was ideas to mm-hmm. go. Here we are a year later, and was it NASA has plans to go? Uh, SpaceX has plans to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, European European space has plans. That it seems like when Mars One said, "You know what? We're going, and we're going to be first. I honestly think it lit a fire. And this is a metaphor under everyone else's butt to do this because they were like, oh, my God, somebody's going to try to go, and it's not us. Yeah, no, I think you're 100% right. I think it's huge. I mean, you know, part of the reason SpaceX, I mean, granted, 
take it with a grain of salt. This is what I've learned from uh, what Elon Musk has said himself in his own interviews. Um, he, when he was starting SpaceX, even thinking of the idea, he looked on NASA's website and saw there were no plans. And so, like the crazy bastard he is, he decided, all right, we'll go. We'll make it possible so they can go. You know, and, and it, it takes it, – I think it's just great that we have people thinking about it again. I mean, I, I can't remember the last time, you know, before Mars won and before everyone actually thought it's a reality that I could be the first Martian. Yeah, you know, that I could be the first person on Mars. I think there's a ton of people out there that want to do that. And that simple idea is what's kicking everything off here. Well, you know, by the time I came along in the 80s, by the time you, Dimitri, came along, you know, we had already been to the moon. We had already been there. We had done right. that back and forth a handful of times. So it, it, was, it was old news. It really yeah. was. I mean, unfortunately, mm -hmm. by the time my consciousness kicks in, the only time I really hear about my memories of NASA as a little kid were when terrible things happened. Um, the McAuliffe yep. explosion. You know, and the McAuliffe explosion hit big for, with me because shortly afterwards, I moved to New Hampshire where she was a teacher, Krista McAuliffe. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I used I learned to drive in the cemetery she's buried in or her headstone anyway, where her headstone is. I learned to drive in that cemetery. So the McAuliffe thing. And unfortunately, uh, to go back to it, when my consciousness kicks in, the only time I hear about NASA is when horrible things happen. You know. Yeah, and that's it's a joke among the space enthusiasts, man. It's when we get the most press. Uh, again, I'm saying like I'm a part of it, but um, well, I mean, you really are. That's when most of it comes in. Is you know we we had in the last year we've had more explosions of rockets sending supplies up between orbital ATK uh, and SpaceX. We've had more than we've had in a very long time. But luckily, you know, there, there were no humans on board, and I, I think if there was a crew on board, I think it would have been devastating. And why do you think that is? Why, you just said that in the last year or so, there's been the most explosions out of the last however many years. So why do you think that is? Uh, you know, it, it could be a, a million things. Um, you know, they're both relatively young space programs. And when you look at their record long term, they've done extremely well. SpaceX is still at the top as far as their successes overall. Um, they were all individual things. The orbital ATK launch was uh, it was an old Russian rocket. They were trying to cut costs. Hey, Russian. So they, <laughs> so they cut costs, and they bought engines that had been sitting, apparently, in a warehouse for decades. You know, and that's how they cut costs, because you know, otherwise, how are they going to get the funding? Hmm. Um, so there's that issue. Then with SpaceX, it's a brand-new system. You know? um, there are things that they've been very lucky in here in the beginning, which is great for the company, um, Elon even said in his own interview, I love how I'm quoting him all the time. Uh, He's good people. That, you know, he feels like the company and the employees might, have, you know, they were getting a little too cocky and that it's actually a good thing that they finally had a failure because the company is a different place. I mean, so you, now you they're going to realize, mistakes, okay, so. there are stakes still. Mm. I would just like to say that uh, Elon Musk is always welcome here on the edge. He is a, one of my <laughs> favorite people right now. I would like for him and Pope Francis to have a baby, and that baby would be the most amazing person that walked this planet. Now, that would be a scientific so, accomplishment. So you, Elon Musk can, can, uh, can be mentioned on this show as many times as anybody wants. Um, I want to just <laughs> chime in real quick. I think a lot of the, uh, you know, people are working through the kinks right now. This is a new project. This is a bigger project. Can we all admit that? I mean, what is bigger, going to the moon, going to Mars? You know, 40, yeah. 50 years later, we have more technology, but we're also reaching farther. Mm -hmm. 
You know, how many, I agree. you know, how many problems, you know, what is the death count when we were trying to break the sound barrier? You know, what kind of problems did we run into when we first started trying to send people into space? You know, unfortunately, the space program has a body count, you know, it does. and it does. And, yep. you know, and it, it's growing and it's expanding and we're doing new things. And unfortunately, it's, it, it has to be slow because of what it entails. But, yeah, I think you're, you're going to still see those missteps along the way, you know, and Elon Musk has had a bunch of them. He's had uh, rockets explode right on the launch pad. He has, he's had problems almost every step of the way. Every agency has, it seems like. Oh, yeah. But that's because it's a major yeah. project. It's not one of those things that you can just oh, tweak one little thing. Oh, let's throw up all the rockets, see what happens. Yeah. You, know, you have to calculate every little last thing. You have to make sure that everything's right because if one thing goes wrong, then that's it. So that's why you have to sure. test it numerous times just to make sure. So. Sometimes you can, you know, you can tweak one little tiny thing and try it again. That's not one of those things. Alex, right, do, do, right. You, do you own one of those calculators that has like 70 buttons? Oh, yeah. All yeah, right, so I, you're I official. I that uh, senior okay. year of high school, and that, that thing carried me through college, man. All right, so, okay, now I believe you're, you're an engineer. All right, that, that's, that's <laughs> I still have it. <laughs> that's official. So you got one of those calculators. All right, that was it the TI-84 or the 89? Oh, boy, look at this kid. Who are you? Uh, Who are you? I think it was... Uh, Let's see, 89 what plus? Is, what? I think it was the silver one. Are you people talking about calculator? Nerd. I need a nerd's button. <laughs> Don't be that guy. <laughs> um, Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy, Dimitri. Now, now, I will say you could program Mario on there. You yes, could play I Mario I, I while you look like you were playing work. Get out of <laughs> here. Oh, yeah. That was, if you could I, do if, I, if I find mine, I can show you. See, the Wicked Smack Kids know what's going on. <laughs> Your Wicked Smack Kids. Uh, the big news, I've been buried in uh, Mars One uh, project info, so I haven't been able to actually sit down and go through the info. Some big news coming out of Mars, Alex. Uh, water being yes. found. Can you talk about that? You've been following that? Sure. Yeah, I actually did an episode not too long ago on that. Excellent. If anyone wants to check it out. But real simply, man, uh, what they did, all right, get this. So here's, here's some science magic, right? Oh, boy. They, they took a satellite, right? And they shot light at the surface of Mars where they kept seeing these black streaks that kept appearing and disappearing. So they're like, all right, let's check this out. Let's throw some light at it and see what happens. And so the short answer is they found the ingredients of water inside these black streaks. Now, what, the ingredient, I mean, hydrogen and oxygen? So hydrogen and oxygen, exactly. Because um, the light was absorbing that. Because so they got these things called... Uh, um, I'm not, not going to even remember the word right now. But anyways, like I said, they're shooting light at it. And uh, it's actually, it's not really running water. It's a little misleading. What it is is it's running mushy salt because this salt that's uh, on the surface of Mars is absorbing it. Uh, so that's why it's uh, appearing and disappearing on Mars is because it's actually evaporating. Uh, and the tricky thing with Mars is if you had like a cup of water on Earth, you know, yeah. it lasts. It can stay liquid from zero degrees Celsius to 100, right? Yeah. On Earth. On Mars, it's zero to 10. So it's Whoa. a really, really small. If you had a cup of water, it'd be gone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it couldn't last the season. Now, yeah. with uh, it being combined with that salt, it can go from minus 70 C to up to 20 C. So it's almost the same range. Which are so it numbers. It actually last throughout the season. Which, which are numbers not in Fahrenheit. Not in Fahrenheit, yeah. So that's how they gave it. So that's how I remembered it. Screw you, <laughs> metric system! Welcome to the rest of the world. I, I have to deal with metrics. <laughs> I know, dude. This is why I'm you're doing it and I'm not. This is why you're doing it and I'm not. <laughs> Screw you, metric system! 
we do have Google, though, so it makes it a lot easier. So what does that mean? I mean, you're telling me they're finding basically like kind of liquid salt, but they're also finding hydrogen and oxygen up there. So what yeah, does that the mean for us? making the salt move and, and flow appears to be water. So that, that's the thing with science. We, we use a lot of big words uh, to get people to pay attention, but you really got to dig down deep and find what's going on. Now, what, is, what does it really do? What it does is make everybody think about Mars differently. Right? Um, they found that the, the air in Mars is actually a lot more humid than we thought. So it's not this barren wasteland. The only problem is the water doesn't survive. I mean, it has snow. If you actually look at pictures of Mars, they yeah, actually has, have snow on the caps. Yeah, it has snow, snow, snow in the poles, right? Snow in the poles. So, yes. Uh, and they switch from season to season. Um, so we know it's there. The problem is it hasn't been staying. So this is like the first time that we're really seeing evidence of it. Um, now, they're going to do more tests. It's great. You know, hopefully it will make people get more interested, which will make the politicians then get the budgets passed, which is their big issue because, unfortunately, because it's a government agency, allegedly, <laughs> we can't just give money to a government agency. That's ludicrous. So, you know, they have to deal with giving, getting the money that they're appropriated. They have to come out with things like there's flowing water on Mars for us to pay attention. All right, so it's it's almost uh, 8.30 p.m. We're coming to, to the end of the segment. Before I let you go, I just I want to ask. Now, I've seen that I believe originally they were going to try to get a colony up there in 2022. I think that's been bumped up to 2027. Am I looking oh, at Oh, really? Am I looking at this? As far as I know, yeah. Um, from memory, the original date was 2022, to have somebody on the surface. They were going to launch a probe in 2017. 2022, they were going to send the first crew up. Now I'm reading it's 2027. Hmm. All right, so that's news to you? What I would say is that could be, because the the whole thing with their timeline is they're waiting on technology that hasn't been, you know, tested completely yet. I know the Falcon Heavy rocket from SpaceX was delayed again. That sounds fair. So, yeah, so that, that, that could be a part of that number. But five years, that's, that's a bump. Falcon Heavy 7's malfunctioning. God damn it, not again chewing on a cigar. Because I'm a space lawyer. <laughs> that's what space lawyers do. All right, man, last question. Who do you think realistically will be the first uh, organization, country, whatever you want to, however you want to call it, who will be the first one to set foot on Mars? You know, from what it looks like, it'll be NASA, but it won't just be them. Uh, it will be NASA contracting to companies like SpaceX uh, who will get them there. Um, you know, uh, it'll be, I think, a U.S. effort because we've got the most people involved. Um, but who knows? Maybe China throws a curveball. Who knows? You know, we don't know much about their space program. Why so. is Russia not in the running? Uh, you, guys, <laughs> you guys could barely build a Ferris wheel. Uh, yeah, so you guys ought to stick to about 100 feet off the ground. <laughs> hey, we got Sputnik. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, you, know guys, you guys started off the whole thing, man. I want to go to Russia and tussle all your hair. Isn't that cute? <laughs> Who's got a little Sputnik? You did Sputnik. You basically launched... Without Russia, we wouldn't have been anywhere. You used exactly. A, you used a $100 million slingshot to launch a trash can with a light and a beep. Who's a good could Russia? You, could you imagine the insanity of of 
never before thinking about space, and then all of a sudden the Russians have this thing that we think is looking at us all the time. All You're day, welcome. all the, the time. insanity. So, I w- yeah, thank you for your people for creating uh, paranoia. Thank you for lighting. <laughs> we didn't know what paranoia was until y'all we came along. We invented space. You invented paranoia. <laughs> and you're damn good at it. Yes, we are, actually. And I believe, uh, going with Alex's prediction of NASA along with a few others, NASA said that they're going to Mars, and they've, gave, they've given a prediction of uh, 2030. Really? Yeah. Oh, I, I think I saw 2046, but 2030 sounds, sounds right in line. Maybe it's um, actually, if, if you have a few few seconds, actually, uh, yeah, go for it. You know, the, the first thing that uh, a, an organization called the Planetary Society—it's just regular people, civilians. Sounds ominous. You know, not a government right? it agency. Sounds it sounds ominous. Want to go to Mars? Sounds ominous. So <laughs> they want to go to pretty cool. Bill, go to Bill Mars. Nye is the head. CEO. Then it's even more <laughs> ominous. It's the Illuminati. <laughs> the Illuminati of I science. It's even so more science. They don't want to land on Mars first. They want to orbit it first with humans. They just want to hang it'll, out. It'll cut costs, and we'll actually get there. Yeah, see, and they want to build a toll road. <laughs> toll road to Mars. That's, that's hey, even, when, you're, when you're the first one, you can build the toll road. That's why, that's why Bill Nye is going to go up there, and he's going to be manning the, the Mars toll booth. Maybe we should go up there. Bow tie <laughs> and all. Maybe we should go up there. Yeah. You, you know, guys want to have a fashion show? We yeah, I think, I think we could do I it. I want to do a bake sale. I think we could do it. Okay. Well, yeah, right. space theme bake sale. <laughs> Astro brownies. They're just brownies. <laughs> the cookies are like little spaceships. I don't know. All right. Now the, the conversation's gone completely off the rails. I'm putting an end to it. <laughs> it is 8.33 p.m. Alex Orfanos, thank you so much for coming on. Plug your stuff, dude. Thanks for having me. Hey, guys, if you want to check me out, check me out todayinspace.net or todayinspacepodcast on pretty much any podcast thing. I'm on Twitter at L Greco. That's E L G R three E O. I know there's a number in there. Deal with it. Sounds Russian. All right. Again, thank you so much, Alex, for calling in, straightening us out, giving us a little bit more. This is such a fun project. I know we're going to have you back on because as long as Mars One Project exists, I'm going to be reading about it. And I know Alex is as well. Awesome. Hey, thanks for having me. Awesome, man. All right. Go back to uh, DJ Greco and. <laughs> See ya. Thank you very much. All right, Alex Orfanos, go check out his podcast today in space. We're going to go to a little break. When we come back, we're going to wrap up the show in a lovely little bow. Coming up, we got John Friday and Home, the Doughboys with Black Sheep, followed by the Jinxes and Migration. This is John Doherty, still on Earth for now, with Dmitry Monikoff in the boot. But again, go to network.com, come right back, and I'll give you more fun. So there you have it. Uh, pretty awesome show, uh, great conversation, and uh, like I said, had a blast. So uh, don't forget to check out John Doherty on the Edge, Gag Order Network. Uh, he's also on Hulk Share on the Edge. Uh, fun stuff. Can't wait to have him on. And uh, hope you guys enjoyed. This podcast is brought to you by Amazon.com. That's right. If you want to help support this podcast and the projects that we've got going on, oh, segue, um, then please go on to the link that's on this episode or on the homepage. And all you got to do is click it and shop from there. So whatever you're going to do regularly on Amazon, I mean, I, I made a buy last week. Um, I, I, I'm, I probably buy one thing a week. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of serious. But uh, <laughs> if you do any shopping, uh, hit that link up. Amazon's going to hit me back a little bit of whatever you guys get. And that way it helps get new projects going here. We can actually do some, some science under today in space. I know. It's crazy. Um, but would really appreciate that. And also, 
uh, if you guys uh, haven't already, check out Pluto the Misunderstood, which was our first single, music single, here on uh, the Tanya Space podcast. Um, it's on the homepage. All that stuff is there. You can buy it from the store on the website, todayinspace.net, or uh, it's available on iTunes and a whole bunch of other... I mean, it's even on Spotify. It's pretty much on everything. So go check that out. And check out any of the new Pluto stuff that's come out. If, you, if you're behind, take a day this week, man. Take a break. Take a lunch break. Take 10 minutes. And just go check it out. Guaranteed to blow your mind. And uh, that's it, everybody. Uh, enjoy yourself this week. Have a great week. Spread the love. Spread science. And I'm out. <laughs>